welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Libraries Turn the Page podcast. This is Jessica. I am your host, and um, I am here with the author of this really cool, twisty book that actually does one of my favorite things. It sort of it plays with mediums, which um, I feel like is just a really interesting storytelling method. Um, you know, you switch between scripts, and then uh, you know, just um, the dialogue of what what's going on. Um, Super fun. Uh, the book is called The Scenes of the Crime. And uh, what's your name? I am Jilly Ganyu, uh, which is a very <laughs> illogical pronunciation of my name. So it looks like Gagnon. <laughs> I, I'm really I'm really glad that I uh, that I uh, quote unquote introduced you that way. <laughs> right? I, I'm as somebody whose name frequently gets mangled. I uh, would have hated to be on the other end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to, after a lifetime, I'm from Minnesota too. So having a somewhat Frenchy last name, it's even more mangled in the Midwest. I think that's how we ended up with Ganyu as opposed to a somewhere explicable pronunciation of my name. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So let's talk about the scenes of uh, scenes of the crime, which is really interesting. So basically... It's the story of um, Emily and her friend Vanessa, who um, is gone, you know, by the beginning of the book. And um, Emily works as um, a script writer, which kind of comes into the story. Um, and uh, when Vanessa died, um, it was years ago. She was on this trip with her friends uh, to this uh winery which belongs to Vanessa and um well actually no belongs to Vanessa's grandparents I guess um so you know she was there with her cousin and everybody had a bit of a secret everyone's friend dynamic was different and um then Vanessa's not there anymore so uh they are all returning to the scenes of the crime they all have their own um history with what happened and things that have happened since and Emily really wants to find out what what happened and if she was involved if she, if she is a culprit in one way or the other so um yeah talk a little bit about this book talk a little bit about um where the story sort of came from and like how each character kind of played out in your mind yeah um so I think the book the core of it that you kind of were hinting at with that is that like these toxic friendships between all of these women um, and much more toxic back in the day, they've drifted. Vanessa was kind of the nucleus of this group. And without her, they've all kind of drifted into different directions. But when they get back together, sort of like I have sisters. And when we all get under my mom's roof again at the holidays, it's like we revert to our old selves. When they all get back together in the place that this horrible thing happened, it's like they revert to these versions of themselves that haven't necessarily been true for a really long time. Um, so you get to see that toxic dynamic playing out in the present and in the past. Uh, and I think that's something that as as a female writer, the kind of uh, the, the dynamic of female friendships 
And it's that borderline between what can be intimacy and seem like the best kinds of intimacy and can in fact be toxic is something that's really fascinating to me. I think that um, a lot of women have experienced at some point in their lives, looking back, perhaps realized that a friendship that they thought was nurturing was not, it was actually parasitic or some, some other version of toxic. Um, so for me, I thought that was really an, an interesting germ at, at the center of the story, like the little, the seed or whatever. Um, and also I just, I love telling stories. When you talk about the multimedia, I love telling stories in a playful or a different way. And so I wanted to find a story and a way to access it that could make the um, the classic, the thriller and mystery writer's favorite thing, an unreliable narration, sort of new. If the, if the story is being told partially as a script, well, the scripted version is never going to be the same as reality. It can't be. You're trying to give it a story arc. It's what I do as a writer when I'm trying to give a, a book, uh, bring it into existence in the first place. So the story within the story being shaped by one of the characters I thought was a really interesting dynamic and would make um, make it really hard to know what to trust. And Emily herself, as she is putting the script in between, you know, what's going on, the events of the story is sort of acknowledging, well, I'm not really sure if that's what would have happened. Maybe this is the version, you know, and you see that playing out um, on the page. So that, all of that was really interesting. And then I also, I really loved the idea of a story where the person that you are identifying with and like, you know, coming to the story through really isn't sure of their own level of culpability. And they're not, you know, they're not some bad guy. They're not the villain, but they don't know how much, how much guilt they, they hold about around this thing, um, which gives a whole nother layer of, of intrigue to what, why she needs to find these answers. So hopefully that answered the question. I'm, I'm very good. Like a, every author at going off on a tangent and then realizing, I'm not sure I answered what you were No, asking. actually that was perfect <laughs> because that's kind of how I read it. And um, you know, toxic friendships, man, this is going to sound so messed up. Toxic <laughs> friendships in women books are one of my absolute favorite. Um, I don't even want to call it a trope, uh, but just sort of plot points because and I think I've said this through um, certain just different chats that I've had with authors who've kind of explored this theme in different ways. I feel like, um, and I don't know if it's still like this because I'm obviously no longer in high school and I'm not in my 20s anymore, but um, I feel like that was sort of a given for a while. You know, I mean... What this is like one of those messed up things my mom told me years ago, and I think about it now, and I'm like, that's kind of messed up. But basically, I remember kind of being taught that that's just how female friendships are. You know, they'll throw you aside for a guy if something better comes along, you know, just kind of accept that you're always in this competition with yes. them, which I think is also sort of, um, a standard when uh, people talk about sister relationships to a degree, you know, you are, you're supposed to always be in competition. That's certainly what the fairy tales tell you. But I think that, um, you know, I, I hope that nowadays people are sort of looking at female friendships in a different way and not teaching that to their daughters. But I don't know. What I do know is that, yes, you're right. Uh, you know, there is sort of this 
something that happens where you can look back on these friendships with these, you know, like girls or women, and you kind of do realize that not only was that toxic or parasitic on their end, but also maybe you weren't the best version of yourself either. And I think that that really kind of comes into play here. You know, um, everybody has a very different view of Vanessa, and she seems very complicated. Her background is certainly complicated. You know, she has this cousin, um, and I believe they were the they were the only two, correct, of this uh, yes. wealthy this wealthy uh, set of grandparents. And Vanessa versus Brittany, you know, Vanessa was sort of a pariah, and part of it was completely not her fault it was a choice that her father made which was certainly in poor taste um but it wasn't vanessa's fault by any means so you know that was another thing i really liked the the examination of the relationship of that family um did you sort of um was was Brittany and Vanessa as characters, were they sort of, did they pop up around the same time when you were uh, writing the story? Yeah, I think um, I tend to, to, to come up with story ideas. And it's like, this is like, I've come up with like a root idea. And then I spend a lot of time with characters. And I think Vanessa and Brittany were necessary counterparts to each other that came to me in this, for this story around the same time. Um, because, you know, what you're talking about, the way that women perpetuate generationally this this toxic idea of femininity on on daughters and siblings and cousins and friends um, is tragic but true. There's a lot of things that you know you don't like, but it's it's a fact. And you know, writing about them and exploring them is it's because it's it's out there and we see it, right? Um, and I agree with you. I hope I have very real hope that women who are coming up behind us maybe don't have the same quite as intensive a version of this, but this idea that other women are your competition at all times is uh, it's really built into society. And it certainly was when I was growing up. And it's really, if you don't want to play that game, there's not a very easy way to opt out. You might find yourself thinking you're opting out. And in fact, you're just playing the game poorly and someone else is playing the game against you as opposed to with you. Um, so Brittany and Vanessa, are sort of a, an encapsulation of that same game, but in a different space, in the family space. And, you know, Vanessa's grandmother is punishing her for the sins of her parents. And Brittany and Vanessa have a relationship where Brittany, in order to acknowledge what Vanessa's going through, would have to acknowledge that she's been given a lot of privilege, which nobody likes to do. <laughs> um, the more privilege you have, I think often the harder it is to acknowledge the privilege you have. So putting them together at the sort of center of this group. Um, it also helped me to understand how you might form a group where those alliances, uh, they are really at cross purposes. And I had, I was in female groups like this where you're friends with so-and-so and they're friends with so-and-so, but you don't like that third person and they don't like you back. However, you all hang out because, you know, there's this weird chess, like three-dimensional chess going on in all of these relationships. And Brittany and Vanessa being tied to each other despite themselves, they had to have a relationship, helped explain how you could get these mismatched pieces together. They're all orbiting the same central pole, but B Brittany and Vanessa are both a part of it. They're like other halves of the nucleus. So 
like the most yeah. physics I can get into, by the way. I, I don't don't speak no, science, it, really. <laughs> it, it worked really well. And then you have Lydia and Paige who were kind of like, again, like that classic sort of mismatched a power struggle between friends, too. Um, you know, it was a really interesting group. And I really love this whole idea of getting them together when they're older and wiser and have been through more and have had careers um or you know uh relationships or breakups you know i think that it's really uh because you do change a lot and i think just the idea of having them back together in this space sort of to acknowledge this thing that may or may not have happened to the way that they think that it did um was just sort of interesting uh um, why in particular did you choose like that time frame removed from um, what happened with Vanessa? I think, I mean, partly <laughs> just, just sheer ability to understand that time frame. I'm in my late thirties now. So putting women in their late thirties, it's a place that I can understand the changes that have happened. If I had them much older, I would be guessing. I'm not sure how I'll continue to change, but I know how I've changed so far. Um, so that was on a very logistical level, a huge part of it. I know where I am now versus where I was then. Uh, but additionally, I think that at least 10 plus years, I thought in my 20s that I I was changing all the time and I was learning more about myself. And I probably would have told you at the end of my 20s that I was able to you know, completely animal, analyze myself in this way. And the fact is growing into my confidence of who I am took place after that. It was a, it was a later process, really being confident in the person I am now and feeling like a fully formed version of myself took place later than that. And I wanted all of these women to have reached the point in their lives where for better or worse, some of them might still have weird dependencies, interdependencies, all of those things, but they're formed. The version of them that is going to go through the adult world and move through the adult world and be taken seriously as an adult um, has been formed by, by each other and also the rest of their experiences. So then when you put them back together and they do in some ways fall back into this rhythm, there's that friction of like, yeah, but I'm not that person anymore. And you don't get to talk to me that way anymore. And I'm not going to say what you want me to say. And you're not going to think what I expect you to think. Um, it gives it, a, it like any way that I can put friction into a scene without having to create it from the outside in, I love. So giving them th this amount of remove makes their relationships just full of just sandpaper already. They're always going to be rubbing up against each other in a way that is unavoidable, um, which I love <laughs> as an author. I, I like it as a reader too. It feels very tense and real. And I think I like, you know, that you can really build this feeling of dread and this feeling of suspense without it actually being like, you know, like action suspense. There's a lot of action in words. There's a lot of action in how people interact. is very tense. Um, what were like what um what kind of books did you um enjoy reading before you became a writer? Were you like a thriller mystery reader yourself? I mean, yeah, off and on through the years, I'll go through phases where <laughs> I remember when I was like nine, way too early 
<laughs> but I read like all of the Sue Grafton mysteries. And then I read all of Mary Higgins Clark's mysteries and all, you know, back then that's what you could find and you could go through, you could just devour them if you were that yeah, kind of you, a kid. Yeah, you had like your your grandmother's like shelf of Danielle Steele or Sue Grafton, yes, right? Exactly. Like that was, that was pretty much it. It's like, you know, you'd be like, okay, so I can either take this or I can take this. No, exactly. no shade to yeah. either one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no shade. Like only as a writer now, like I look at that and like, dang you guys are like the productivity and you kept coming up like that is some churning that I am impressed by um but yeah and I I would go through that way back in the day and then in the last like eight or ten years I'd say I've been really deep in like the thriller space again because I started I wanted to start writing them myself um and I think that as a writer it's almost irresponsible not to spend some time reading the thing you want to write um because a, you don't want to steal from somebody else and not know it. There's stuff in the zeitgeist sometimes. You don't want to just reproduce somebody else's story. Um, and B, you want to see how people are doing it well. You know, if I read a Lisa Jewell book or I read, um, I, I mean, this is not exactly what I write, but like, I love Tana French. I have read every single one of her books and I learn so much as a writer by reading how she creates. And when you're talking about the suspense that isn't action, I would say a ton of French books, the mystery at the center is almost incidental. It is all about characters being put into situations that that force, that, that they're uncomfortable and force them into places they don't want to be. And that's what we're really reading about. You're not really solving the crimes in a, in a meaningful way. You are, but to me, the like what she does with character and, and, um, and the explorations of people and how they push off of one another and how they deal with trauma is much more what I take away from her books than the, the plots per se. Uh, so yeah, I've been reading in that space for a long time. And when you read a lot in a space, you start to recognize a lot of the things that are, get done over and over and they can be done really well. It's not to say that I don't like them and don't appreciate them, but it also allows you to see what you might want to like, a way that you could be different. It's like if I want to create a um, an unreliable narrator situation, I I don't necessarily want to go to the to the um, well of alcohol for this one. Although they are at a winery, but like the, you know that's that's something that happens a lot. It's been done really well. I enjoy it, but I want to do something new for readers. Um, oh no, so. I appreciate. I, I absolutely appreciated that very very much. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that I think it's it is a really effective way to make your narrator second guess themselves. And that's why it's been done by other people better. Um, and that's why I would like to do something different here. Uh, so finding those ways to hopefully deliver what people love about the form while innovating at the same time um, has been a hopefully successful part of my journey as a writer. <laughs> I agree. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, really, this book was so thick with atmosphere and all the characters were just really interesting to read and the interactions were interesting to read. Um, I I think um, it was it was good. I mean, really, I really felt like I was kind of on a shelf watching all of this unfold. Um, super, super fun to read. Thank you. You're welcome. So did you have a favorite character? I mean, the character that I would want to hang out with the least was my favorite to write, which was Brittany. She, yeah, she was, I, yeah, she was fun to read. But yeah, no, 100%. I, like that, 
there's definitely the characters that that you're just like i i enjoy reading you but like in a real world setting no way <laughs> oh yeah she would just give me absolute heart palpitations to be in the same room it with for more than you know 10 minutes social anxiety on max um but what i was saying about like the friction somebody who's got a personality that is like go for the jugular and like always wants to dominate a space in a female friendship dynamic easy to create friction her just very existence in the room is friction um so it makes all the scenes that she's in really fun to write she also gets the best lines best dialogue being unself-aware allows a character to have just the best dialogue um so for me that's really fun and it makes it a lot simpler to write her because i always know where she's at because it's always on the outside of her it's not she's not going through this you know self-analysis she says what she means to wound people um I think for me, probably the hardest character would have been Paige um, because she is existing in a large part in her relationship to Brittany uh, because their dynamic duo factor, she's like a bit the sidekick in the past, especially. Um, it makes it harder to like pinpoint where she is on her own at a given time. So yeah, that's, I think on the, it's also really fun to write Vanessa, but she is a puzzle box. So that can make it tricky as well. I want to make sure I'm revealing the right parts and holding back the right parts. Did you know what all the reveals were when we started writing the book or did some of them sort of pop up as you were writing? I knew the major reveals before. I, I will do like, I call it like extremely half-assed outlining. I used to be a full-on pantser and that failed me terribly. Um, so I, I, I will... call that, so I call this, and I've said this in a few interviews so far, I call that being a MacGyver writer now. <laughs> I don't know why, like the pantser term bothers me no offense to those who consider themselves pantsers and no offense to those who don't know who MacGyver is. But basically it's like, <laughs> you know, there's a bomb that's going to go off and you just sort of have to figure out all the traps that are going to set it off. And also all the traps that can, you know, all, all the uh, things you can do to stop it and see if those things work. That That's sort of, that's why I call it MacGyver writing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I will come up with, you know, you'll see the major mile markers where it's like, you're a quarter, you're a quarter of the way there and this is what's going to happen to you. Um, but a lot of the chapter by chapter, page by page reveals are things I realize in, in real time. Okay. I need something here that conveys this or that uh, throws doubt on that. And then I MacGyver it <laughs> as I get there. I love it so much. Well, um, Thank you. Uh, have you done any script writing? I have to ask. I think it's the last thing I sort of was was thinking about while I was reading reading the book. So yeah, I I have, and it, it was a funny thing. And I will tell everyone. And I hope that they hear this from me. I know that this is a terrible script because I have done enough <laughs> script writing to know that the um I worked in L I lived in L A for a few years, and so I don't think you can be a writer living in L A and not eventually write a script with some people with some friends who are doing it professionally. The reasons that it is a terrible script are why it is a book. Um, you're not supposed to tell every single tick. You're supposed to let actors and directors have creative license. Um, saying this is the way her eyes flicked, something, something like that is, wow, that is too controlling as a scriptwriter. Um, but I am at least conversant enough with the form from working in it to, you know, reproduce the rhythms of it, I hope. Thank you so much. This is super fun. It was a super fun book to read. Um, and it sounds like it was a super fun book to write. 
It really was. Um, and thank you so much. I love, I love talking nerdy, like getting, digging into the writing. It's my favorite. Awesome. Well, uh, check out Scenes of the Crime. It comes out um, on September 5th. Um, so it will be out by the time this, this airs. Uh, so if you have not already run to your library, your local indie bookstore or any place you get your books, please do and check out um, Scenes of the Crime. Jilly, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.